Hello, everyone. Happy to be back on our 2022 podcast series on Contingent Workforce Radio. Our podcast today is brought to you by Upmost, the VMS Transform, enabling your full talent supply chain in one global network. Today's podcast theme is the complex needs in the professional and business services industry with our special guest, Krishid Irani, Head of Global Talent Services at C-Prime. We also have Erica Novak, Head of Client Services here at Upmost. Erica, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. My name is Erica Novak. I'm Head of Client Services here for Upmost. Lover and liver of the CW world for over 15 years. Krishid, welcome to the podcast. To start, why don't you tell everyone about yourself? Thank you. Thank you, Erica, for giving me this opportunity. Hello, listeners. My name is Kurshid Irani. I was born and raised in Bombay, which is now called Mumbai, India, and moved to the United States for my MBA many, many years ago. I started my career in the hospitality industry in India. I worked for the Oberoi, which is a leading hotel of the world, followed by two international airlines, British Airways and Delta. After my MBA, I moved into the recruiting area in Silicon Valley, and it's been 15 years. It's been a great ride. I have been fortunate to be a part of not one, but two companies that have grown exponentially, joining upfront as one of the early employees. Both of these were listed on you know, multiple fast-growing companies in America lists year after year. As you can imagine, both of these environments were very chaotic, very fast-moving. However, they've provided me with a lot of learning that I'm very grateful for. I'm here with C-Prime. When I joined C-Prime in 2010, it was built up by technology leaders in San Francisco. And since then, C-Prime has acquired a lot of companies and we've grown exponentially. We are now uh, key partners with Atlassian. We are key partners with AWS, GitLab, Scaled Agile Network. Currently, my role at C-Prime is the head of global talent services. I own the whole profit and loss of my business unit. My team is roughly divided into two parts, the sales and the business development unit, which brings in the job requirements. And then the sourcing and the recruiting team, which works to fulfill these requirements with high agility. These two functions work very closely together as one cohesive unit. And we meet every morning in a true agile fashion. I'm happy to be here and happy to talk about C-Prime or any other questions you might. Krishi, that's a fantastic introduction. Thank you so much for that. Before we jump and dive truly into it, can you tell us a little bit more about C-Prime And what the businesses that you guys are in, you had mentioned your partners or whatnot, but what's the business you guys are in? And then maybe dovetail that into how your CW program supports that. We are the only global strategic consulting firm that blends agile product and technology solutions to achieve enterprise agility. We are a partner of choice for many Fortune 100 companies as well. And that's how this program comes into C-Prime, right? Because we are working with the pro unlimiteds of the world, the allegiances of the world, the field glasses of the world. And then we partner with these companies and help all of these companies uh, with the requirements that they might have. All right. So you've broken down C-Prime and you had mentioned before, there's kind of three groups that make up C-Prime, the internal TA team, the delivery team and staffing. Can you break down how those teams work together and what makes them different? So internal hiring is all about who is the person that you want to bring in within the organization. These are all FTE employees within C-Prime. So we have an internal team that helps staff the HR executives, the finance executives for C-Prime. The delivery, think of C-Prime delivery as a McKinsey or a Deloitte, 
when companies come to us and they want certain quality of resources or kind of resources, that's when my team jumps in and works with them. And then C Prime staffing has been with us since the time C Prime, you know, was born. So we have these clients like Visa or the eBay of the world where they want some strategic resources. That's when they come to us even for staffing needs. And we work with multiple VMSs as well, as I was saying earlier, and those are staffing requirements as well. Okay. And this is what I think makes professional services unique in the same way, right? Where as you're looking to staff internal projects and external projects, you are using a mix of employees and contractors and or consultants and how you're doing that. The capacity that you work with ebbs and flows on how you bring those services in. Right. Is there one team that uses more contractors than the other, you would say? I would say the staffing team, because we staff for external clients, that's a very contractor heavy team. The internal team, I would say not because these are all full-time employees. And that makes sense. And I would say delivery is a good mix of both. And then what are some of the high clients that you're working with? How do you source for them? What are the roles they're looking for? And has that changed through the pandemic at all? Uh, yes, <laughs> that has. My delivery team works with more than 2,000 clients, to be honest. But things post and pre has changed in the staffing world as well as in the world, even outside for FTE placements, right? So I was recently reading a Gartner report on the future of work trends post-pandemic. And, you know, some of those uh, resonated with me because me and my team are facing those. One of the things that I have noticed is there are a lot of companies that are okay with remote working, with COVID, right? Employees got the opportunity to work remotely. They wanted to continue the trend. About 40% of the workforce was working remotely at that point of time, right? And digital tools like Zoom came up, right? But we recruiters are facing a lot of difficulties in hiring these days when clients say, oh, you know, I want candidates to be on site. So that's when we are like, okay, company X is offering somebody to work from home. Company Y wants them to come on site. Who is the candidate going to choose? It's usually going to be the one that gives them the flexibility. So as recruiters, we are facing certain problems post-pandemic. But the good thing about it is that the job market has become global. You know, borders have opened up. So sometimes when a resource, you know, a hiring manager was stuck, oh, I need somebody in Austin, Texas. Now the hiring manager is like, find me somebody anywhere in the U.S. So that's great because if they give them the opportunity to work from home, we can find a resource anywhere who can work that time zone. The second thing that I also noticed is during pandemic, the contingent workforce, a lot of companies, especially some of the retailers that I worked with, they had to let go people within the first or the second week of the pandemic. But I have seen a big rise and an increase in contingent workforce after pandemic, which is great. You know, we have all these consultants, we have all these contractors, budgets have increased. And also I feel that somehow the companies couldn't use their budgets during the pandemic. They're like, okay, now we have more than enough budget to get more consultants and more FTEs as well. I also saw a couple of negative things like dehumanization of employees and which is, you know, again, I'm picking this up from Gartner because this is exactly what I thought as well. You have to think of people as people first and workers second. But there are some companies sometimes who are like, you know, they need to change their culture. They need to change the attitude towards people. It's happening, but, you know, sometimes it does come in the way and sometimes people feel like, oh, am I just a worker for you? So that's a little bit of a negative that I'm talking about, but I think we all can change. 
And I also see that there's a lot of companies sending out harsh messages to their employees. Hey, you need to come into work or you'll get fired, etc. There are a lot of other companies like, hey, why don't you come join us? So it's kind of advertising for themselves in a very smart way saying, hey, if X company wants you to come into work, we don't want you to. So why don't you come and join us? And that's how they are pulling in talent as well. So I think a lot has changed. Companies need to learn. They need to learn what the market is and what is the market asking for at that point of time in order to retain the talent that they have and get good talent from the market. as well. No, I, I couldn't agree more when I think about the internal branding, right? People will talk about employees as, as our talent, our people. And then the quote unquote outsiders is, well, those are just vendor workers, even though worker is a person yes. or not, you, you definitely see the difference. Oh, our talent. Oh, those guys. And especially in professional services world, like you, you just shared, it's a mix across two of your business lines. It's people still doing the same work, right? Just classified differently. And so if they feel less than, if they feel it's not always an outright disrespect, but sometimes just a little bit less of lack of respect and they can find that somewhere else. It's very easy to jump over to, right? And in, in positions that make their life a little bit easier, especially now, I think you and I have both seen rates for contingent employees have vacillated quite a bit. And now we're thinking about inflation, what's going on with the war. Interesting to see what rates are going to be doing and what's charged out to customers versus what's internal. But it is that who am I working for? Who am I, who am I excited to do work with and for matters a lot in why they choose the projects they want to work with or the companies they stay at. Right. And I can give you a good example over here. There was a company that I was working with around 2010 timeframe and they had different colored badges for the contingent workforce and some of my employees because these are my employees at the end of the day right they would come and tell me in a meeting as soon as this guy saw the color of my badge his tone towards me changed and I think this was not just happening with us but with other vendors as well so we all got together and we all kind of gave in a formal message to the client saying hey you know you guys are the client but this is what our candidates are seeing in in the office and I think the client heard it took them some time, a couple of months, but they changed and they changed for good. And I could see a dramatic change. Like, you know, my candidates were, you know, because I, I like to meet my people, whoever I place, you know, we do quarterly lunches and stuff. And they say, oh, now I have the same color badge. Nobody knows who I am. Like, I'm, I'm a part of the team. And I think that is so important. Just because you're a contingent workforce, there's no need to discriminate because at the end of the day, the job that is done by an FTE is also done by the contingent workforce, right? There's a reason why you brought him or her on. It's because you want that piece of help for that many months, right? So why not be inclusive? And I think this is a very good example. I've not seen that in a long time, but when in, in the 2010 time frame, there was a lot of this discrimination, but I've not heard about that recently, to be honest. You know, it's times have changed. And I think that's really good. It's for the betterment for everybody. I used to call it the star belly stages. So you had a star and you're better and then you switch and then it became confusing. A silver lining of the pandemic is when you are on a Zoom, you can't tell. So then the idea of who you're working with actually becomes like a meritocracy. Who's asking the good questions? Yeah. Who's delivering on time? I'm, I'm a big proponent of showing yourself on video. It doesn't have to be all time, but there should be some sort of connection. And it does feel like you yes. are part of the team and what you're bringing, because you talked about like 
people are the supply chain. The people, it's their yes. minds and their output, especially in your guys's business. And so I've never met someone who says, I hope I do a bad job for someone today. Everyone wants to do something mm-hmm. well and feel like part of the team. So that's exactly. great. That's great that the customer actually listened and changed. That's a big ship to steer. I agree with you. And sometimes change is difficult. And I'm sure they had to go through a lot of hoops as well. But I think it was for the betterment of everyone. Talk to me a little bit about because with people and the global expansion of they can work remotely and work anywhere in the professional services business, how are you guys tracking location versus rates versus customer? Has it simplified things or made things more complex? I don't think it has become complex. It's just like if you use the right tools, because when people go out in the market, they're all subject matter experts and they're all professionals in their field. In terms of rates, during pandemic, rates did go down. But I think things are back to normal. I have not seen much change over there in that area. Okay, interesting. Question for you. Is there a difference in the technology that you're using to track your time and expenses for your consultants? And are those same systems using to track kind of the quality, performance, and profiles of the workers? Or are those two separate things? Those two would be separate. Tracking time and expenses is done through the tool that we've been using. We bought a better tool right now, to be honest, within C-Prime. And that has helped us as well. In terms of how would you track the history of the workers, there are so many people who want to work with you again. We have that ATS tool as well, which is an amazing tool that we use. And even with the new workers, the work is tracked through you know, the resumes, the LinkedIn profiles, the references, the background checks. And uh, there's always a sanity check that we do with LinkedIn and the resume as well. We do find sometimes discrepancies. We talk to the candidates. Some candidates are just sloppy because they, they're consultants, right? They are constantly looking for jobs. They do three months, six months gigs. As recruiters, we need to educate them. Hey, your, your LinkedIn needs to be up to date because, you know, especially in Silicon Valley, managers are always looking at the LinkedIn's references. Who are the common connections? And sometimes I've had managers even call those common connections up, even without giving us a notice. Hey, I saw this guy was connected to this guy that I knew. I just picked up the phone and I called him and said, hey, how do you know this dude? Like, did he do a good job for you, etc." So I think the valley is small. Keeping your personal tools up to date as well is important when you start looking for a job. And that's good to hear. So it sounds like you're using ATS primarily for both sides, employees and consultants. Because that's one of the things I've heard in other CW programs is their employees are tracking their ATS and their non-employees, let's say their their true contractors are tracked potentially in a VMS. Their consultants aren't tracked anywhere. And so to be able to get history, hey, they've worked here before, performance, like you said, like those backdoor references that sometimes you can get off LinkedIn, but you kind of want to say, hey, if they've worked with this manager, there's three systems right. that are that are siloed that they can't actually get a full picture of. Was Erica Novak an employee here for a while, then moved to consultants, then over here or whatnot? So it sounds like with professional services and C-Prime, by keeping everyone in one central system, you're able to track when they're active with you and inactive. Yes. So you have one worker profile for the person. Is that right? Right, right. That That's absolutely correct. And the people that we are constantly working with us, because I have had consultants who, when I think of a consultant, right, I don't think of him as a one project based consultant, right? It's somebody who I want to maintain the relationship with. If this is somebody that my client has given me amazing feedback, I want to work with him year after year after year. 
And there are many in my life that have been working with me for five projects, seven projects. So when I know of somebody like that who is rolling off his or her name is on my Trello board and I'm like, okay, this person's going to roll off. Where can I place this person next? Because this is somebody I don't want to lose to a competitor. And the good thing about knowing people and building relationships is, and, and this is kind of weird as well, because sometimes I have candidates calling me up and saying, hey, Kushi, I see this position at Apple. Do you have this position with you? Because I want to work with you. And I'm like, oh, okay, hold on. Let me check the <laughs> right number. What's the right number? It's kind of a good thing as well when people call us with the jobs, with the right numbers and say, hey, I want to work with you. Because that goes a long way in showing that you've built a great rapport, you've built a great relationship with this candidate, and you've given him or her the service that he or she has wanted. And you've not treated them as a one project consultant. And I think that's the key. You know, building relationships is very, very important in our field. Uh, I couldn't agree more. You mentioned 2010. And even 2000, 2000 was like the old school of contractors, consultants only came for like, kind of non-sophisticated roles. Someone had to come in, there was filing to be done. Oh, back in the day when there was manila folders, right? To me, when I work with different customers or managers, where I start to see the old bias is when they say, oh, I wouldn't hire a consultant for that. That's a strategic position. And you're like, oh no. Like we're in the days of strategic positions, thought leaderships, management. They're done by different types of classifications. So I think that's a great point that you hit on because redeploying and keeping them active in a work where they're super excited. The fact that they come back to you is huge. I know a lot of staffing companies suffer with, they can place them once, but how do you place them somewhere else? And so it's interesting to hear on the professional services, how you guys are looking to solve. Cause I know in some of the staffing world, it's still the, how do I keep them dedicated or loyal to us? And it sounds like you're saying, <laughs> treat them like people, right? Listen to them and figure out how to keep them active and, and, and working in your guys' world that does a lot. Yes, yes. And I also believe that people relationship management is so important. And again, I'm a storyteller. So I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story over here if we have some time. So I had placed this candidate at a retailer in San Francisco. And as I said, I love to go and meet my people. So I was doing my quarterly meetings with him, getting to know him, what's on his project, what's going on? Is he happy, not happy? And one day he finally comes and tells me, I'm not happy. I said, okay, I have a job with another retailer. Let me get you there. So we were working together and then he lands a job with somebody totally different, somebody who's not even my client, okay? And we're still in touch. And then two weeks into the, that organization, he tells me, Kurshid, I have no clue who is the vendor who has placed me. We've only communicated on email and they've never come and said hello to me or nothing. And I'm like, okay, you know, you start building a rapper with them. And a month from then, he's like, uh, Kushit, I still don't know who they are. And I'm like, okay, you know, now you don't work for me anymore, but okay, tell me more. So like I was his listening piece, right? He, whenever he had a problem, he would call me. Then in the first quarter of him being at that client, and I was not even a vendor at that client, you know, and his hiring manager started to look out for a program manager and he gave my name and said why don't you work with Kushi and actually I onboarded that client within like six months of working with him over there and then within a year it was already a multi-million dollar client for me and the worst thing is you know I became a competition for the vendor who had brought him in so it is again it's a lesson right if you don't take care of your people you will bring in unwanted competition I was unwanted competition for them you know but hey I took care of him you did not 
So it's a great story. I keep telling that story to my team as well. Because whenever we hire, one of the things that my team's goal is that obviously now it's pandemic and post-pandemic, but once things get a little bit more better as well, I will bring that on to one of the goals saying, hey, you have to meet 25% of your contingent workforce. So in, in the quarter, that's one of your goals. So if you have 10 people billing who you have placed maybe two years ago and you still have them billing, go meet them. Go meet three people. Go have coffee with them. Go have lunch with them. Figure out what's going on in their world. Because I cannot do that for everybody now that because I have 10,000 mm-hmm. other things to do. But I want to inculcate that habit with my team because relationships bring in clients as well. Because this person is not going to be with X company for the next five years. He or she might move. And when they move, you move with them. So it's a good way of building, you know, that trust. When this person starts hiring or his manager starts hiring, they think of you. So that's a key. I know I keep harping on it, but, you know, it's brought me a couple of multi-million dollar clients. So I'm really happy and excited about that. It's no magic. It's no rocket science. It no, works. And yeah, I go back to like the idea of automation to take away your manual task, lets you do the high delivery activities. And people are your high delivery activities. I'm 100% with yeah. you when it comes to, great, I didn't have to key in 17 different pieces of data and push this flow so you have a 30-minute phone call or 45 minutes lunch to keep that going. I think a lot of people yes, will automate yes. things and do systems and then just build more processes to go through that takes up that time or refocuses and yes. ends up being like, oh, well, the people know that matter. The people know they do. Yeah. Someone else is doing it, right? And I think you know better than others. Like, no, they're not. They're absolutely not. If it's not you, no. if it's not on an activity, it's not on an OKR that if someone is pushing to say, have you done this? They do it for something else. Yeah. So I love that you are, they're pushing on that. Going back to your unique personality, you're actually a hire manager yourself and you've shared are more than aware of the different pay inequity and how people are being engaged and onboarded. How has that made you more sensitive or empathetic to your clients and the people that you're placing outside? Right. So firstly, I'm a huge fan of women in tech. Attend the conferences and I don't know if I could should call myself as a woman in tech, but you I are, do. Okay. Are. And I always like to encourage, I have a daughter, I encourage her to STEM. Obviously she should be, she should like what she's doing, but I always say, hey, encourage your daughters in STEM. And we as women, we have to fight for pay equity because pay equity for equal job output, Correct. So as a hiring manager, it's important for me to do some research as to what are the numbers in the market. I need to know what my competitors are paying and what's the market salary of that position as well so that I can discuss that at the time of hire. I like to maintain equity within my organization. The same way when I am working with a client as well, sometimes we need to educate the client. They don't know. So Mr. Client X, you are not paying market to the candidate Y. Most clients in the Valley, they're very well versed with pay equity rules. But as vendors, it is our responsibility to keep updating them with what's happening in the market. And also, if we do pay equity, right, it's a win-win situation for all of us because LinkedIn is a very powerful tool these days and a lot of people post a lot of things over there. So if a candidate feels dejected or feels this was not correct, they have a voice and they voice it out and it's public knowledge then. So as recruiters, it is our responsibilities, like me as the hiring manager, it's my responsibility, but somebody who might not know, 
it is my responsibility to sit down with that person and talk to that person and let that person know hey this is important and if your numbers are lower for women then you need to talk to your management and come up with pay equity and that's going to be a tough quest because obviously i identify as a woman in tech as well and i want my daughter to have the ability if she chooses for it when i think about inflation i think about a lot of our customers' goals right now. We've just heard cost justification and cost savings. So how is that conversation going, knowing that the manager is being pushed to like, get great talent at the cheapest price? I mean, is it going well? Are they fought or are they saying, oh, I didn't realize and, and kind of pushing back on their management if, you know, hey, it's not worth 5% if that means a woman of the same role is getting paid differently than her peer. Whenever I've talked to somebody uh, about this, I've always got a positive response because uh, I think everybody who is a professional understands the importance of this and they do go back to their management and come back. I've never seen somebody come back in with like a 10% cut or a 40% cut. It's always been equal, which is really good. And again, it might be different because most of my clients are in Silicon Valley and this is the tech hub of the world. But I've always had success, to be honest. I think that's encouraging. If I think about people who are listening, That's encouraging to say as you explain it, right? And my guess is sometimes it's on audio and during a call versus just an email. But if you actually explain the discrepancy versus just the cost savings, I think most people do want to do the right thing and don't want to be the one who unintentionally, let's be honest, generally there's good intentions and unconscious bias, right? But if you call it out, I think that's great to be able to say, I'm going to speaking on behalf of these, at this point, they're a candidate. Right. But of this talent, of this sense and and making sure that there's an advocate to say this, this isn't the right way to get to get savings. Right. Then equity is not the right way to get the savings savings goal. You're missing the the integrity around the entire ecosystem of of how we're paying people and and motivating people. So, again, I would say to those who are listening, be bold in that use case, be bold in saying, you know, I have the data that shows this is appropriate. And then if you don't, this one candidate will be at a discrepancy compared to the other ones in there. And that may be the thing. You got to have the data to show, right? It can't just be the message. It also needs to be the data. Right. What about, talk to me a little bit about communicating. So we spoke before about communicating up and out to your stakeholders about your role and what you're doing. Can you share with the audience a little bit of how you're doing that? So internally, I, I feel that having a solid relationship with your immediate boss is the key to your success you know and what I do myself is I never paint a rosy picture I always paint the correct picture so I don't overcome it nor do I undercome it because having a PNL, right sometimes the expectations can be high right okay I met this goal with th- these numbers last year can we do this goal with these numbers this year and like okay, but what's the market conditions? You know, what's going on in the hiring world? Am I going to be able to meet my numbers? So keep it realistic. I think that's very important. And I think once you do that and you meet your numbers, I'm sure your your boss is happy. Having a solid relationship and being honest, I think is important as well. And in terms of our external customers, our clients are always reaching out to us to fulfill roles, which their internal teams cannot fulfill. And Sometimes they're reaching out to us, especially on the FTE side, right? They're reaching out to us because it's an urgent need. They don't want to pay us like $40,000, $50,000 worth of fees. But I also believe that it is important to 
talk to the clients and say if their expectations are high in terms of you know the job requirement as well right like in in the staffing world we we call them purple squirrels right <laughs> call them out if your client is looking out for somebody with skill set a b c and d and this person just does not exist in the market and you, if you give this wrong you know impression to your client you'll be able to fulfill this need you're not you know you're going to fail and you're going to look bad in front of the client so i think educating them is also important in in that area you know letting them know this is what your expectations are this is what i'm going to find for you is that okay you know so setting the correct expectations is key so i would say whether you're communicating up or whether you're communicating out to your stakeholders keep the communication honest and always set the right expectations because if you don't then you fail and it's hard to accept failure also sometimes right so i think communicating the right way and communicating the right set of expectations is no, and this would be a shameless unpaid plug for for linkedin uh, i thought they did a nice job with linkedin talent uh, insights right where they were able to show and if a manager says i want these skill sets in this location at this cost linkedin talent insights is able to show based on what you've said there's four people in the world that has this but yeah. If you take out one of these requirements, that expands it to 200 people. And like you said, to set realistic expectations and kind of force the manager to as well and say, all right, if you want them to have this background, does it have to be this former company, right? Do they have to have come from, I'm making you know this up, you know, Deloitte, or could they come from any consulting company? And that expands it into this, but to have those reasonable expectations, because yeah. it's got to come on both sides, right? Because otherwise the blame will lie on the staffing side versus on the, the business side. If you're looking forward, it's June, 2022, right? So you have six months left and then we're looking to 2023. What are some of the challenges that your team is looking at and facing when you think about consultants and contractors, or maybe specifically for the professional businesses services industry on that non-employee industry world? Right. So we've been all talking about tech talent shortage. I think that's true. There is shortage. And I think, again, with the pandemic, a lot of people do not want to go into work. So I think companies need to set realistic goals and expectations as well. There are certain companies that want people to be on site for five days of the week. That's not going to happen. And those companies are going to lose a good pool of talent to companies that are letting people work from home. I see that, uh, that that is huge in the next six months. So, in fact, I would say last, just last quarter, I lost 14 candidates. And these were hires. These were not like people that I was talking to. I would say all of those 14 were where they got the opportunity to work from home. So that's the biggest challenge that I'm seeing the next six months. I think companies need to be a little bit more flexible. They need to understand that this is post-pandemic. If they wanted to do this in 2017, 18, 19, very much possible. But after 2020, the world has changed. And being a little sensitive is also important. I think sometimes we lack that as you have to be sensitive to other people's needs. And again, I would like to uh, you know, sh share an example where the reason why I joined C Prime in 2010 was because I was going to have a baby. And my earlier boss wanted me to be at work five days of the week. And I just thought it was not possible. I sat down with my husband and I told him, I want to quit. I don't want to work anymore because I want to spend time with my child. And the reason is because I had an older child who went to daycare. And every day that I picked her up from daycare at 5 p.m., I was the last mom who picked her up. And every day in the car, I would have a bawling baby 
would say, you're a bad mom, you picked me up last or you picked me up second last. It was never first. And I think as a mother, that that experience was not great. And I said, what can I do? How can I be a working mom as a working mom, right? Like, how can I work and look after my child? And I have to, uh, you know, be very thankful to Zubin Irani, who was my ex-boss. He said, you know, just come work for me. And I said, are you sure? You know, I, like I asked him, like, are you sure you're okay? You know, and he was like, yes, yes, I am. And I think when that opportunity came to me, right, as a human being, right, I thought to myself, I never have to let this man down. This man has given me the opportunity that nobody did. So I worked extra, to be honest. I gave it my 120% because I did not want to let this man down. He had given me the opportunity to work from home, to take care of my child, which nobody did. So I think, you know, you have to be a little bit sensitive. You know, I, I strongly believe that my last boss, he was a great guy, you know, but he lost out on me being a longtime employee of his because he was not flexible. And I think companies need to be flexible. It's not just about women having babies. It's somebody going through a medical emergency. It's somebody having to go back to their home country for some reasons, you know. I think, you know, as humans, we have to have a little bit of that human touch. We have to sit and think in that other person's shoes, you know. And I think the more we do that, the more we'll have Khurshid Irani's in this world. Yeah. I love that you shared that story because I think it sits right with so many other working women. I'm the same, right? Where you say, I want to still use my brain, but I'm in a different ecosystem. I have other things on my mind now. And especially with everyone on their phones and late night calls, it hasn't been a nine to five work week for a long time in some industries. And when you add right. family, whether it's positive like a baby or a hardship like a death or a family caring, the idea of saying, how do we shift? expectations. And like you said, like empathy is such a huge part to this. Like how do we actually give grace? Because when you give grace, the loyalty someone feels in a good positive way is they understand. So of course I want to do my right by. And that happens for employees, contractors, consultants, freelancers, anyone like in in the talent world generally wants to be right by and trusted. So that is a phenomenal way. I mean, you and I can talk about this woman in tech and the changing ecosystem That's another podcast. I'm going to have you back for that. That's a really positive note to end on. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kershid. It's been invaluable. The information that you've shared with our audience, Erica, as always, thank you so much. And thanks again to our audience for tuning in. We'll see you next time on Contingent Workforce Radio. Thank you. Thanks for having me.